Hello, Adrian. This is Matt, and you're listening to episode 19 of the Looking Sideways Action Sports podcast. It's the podcast where I try and uncover the most interesting stories in action sports and other related endeavors. So, as usual, thanks for taking the time and finding my little corner of the internet. Hope you enjoy it. So, as I mentioned last week in episode 18, I was recently in Ireland for a few days, and during that trip, I took some time to record some new podcasts with friends over there. And that went so well that I decided to get all thematic on it and call these three episodes my special Irish omnibus. So, after part one with Fergal last week, this next instalment is part two with my friend Sophie Hellier. So, if you don't know who Sophie is, She's a surfer, model and writer who came to prominence in her teens when she won British titles and was soon snapped up by Roxy. She then spent 10 years as a Roxy girl, basically modelling, travelling, surfing and living what many would see as the dream life. And I first met Sophie about four years ago, I think, when we were both working on a job down in Cornwall. And we stayed in touch and uh, I've watched with interest over the last few years as Sophie's made some pretty decisive changes to her life and career moving to Lahinchin Island where I was uh, pretty much giving up her modeling career and generally simplifying and changing her life she's also become more and more vocal about issues of female objectification and gender stereotyping in surfing something which has been debated more and more over the last few years through the prism of various controversies So I was interested in uh, getting her unique perspective on this, particularly given a decade-long career as a model. And what I realised, speaking to Sophie, is that what we've got here is a very similar theme to the episode with Fergal, albeit in a very different context. It's a tale of somebody who outwardly has got a very enviable career, but for whom, after years of being on the inside, the scales fall from their eyes and they realise, actually, it's not all it's cracked up to be. And in Sophie's case, it's her belief that it's actually contributing to a corrosive and fairly destructive narrative and culture. So at this point, I should insert a caveat. Uh, It's always tricky for a a privileged white man like me to involve themselves in discussions such as this. After all, women have been dealing with issues of uh, gender imbalance, female oppression, sexism and female objectification for, oh, I don't know, the whole of human history. So for somebody like me, who by any measure has led a pretty gilded existence with no experience of any prejudice or judgment based upon my identity, race or gender, to suddenly decide to involve themselves in the debate with a kind of jazz hands, hey guys, it's fine, I've decided to give this complex issue the benefit of five minutes of my wisdom, is at the very least a pretty cringe-inducing spectacle, or at least it can be, as anyone who's uh, followed any storming a teacup online controversies can probably testify the point is that greater minds than mine have been grappling with this stuff for a very very long time so i was understandably keen to deal with it pretty sensitively but all that aside i do think this is something that should be discussed like i say there's been the odd industry-wide controversy that's caused this to be debated on a wider canvas notably the steph gilmore roxy ad thing a few years back and then this year with billabong But generally the tone is, to say the least, fairly depressing with what I like to call the spinal tap, what's wrong with being sexy, uh, defence, generally the predominant comeback. All of which is to explain why I think it's something that should be discussed and why the insights from somebody like Sophie, who's experienced the the thing from both sides, are so valid. 
And uh, talking to Sophie, I found her insights into a position and a decision to make the changes that she has to be fascinating and above all brave. Make no mistake, it isn't easy, even in a cuddly little industry like surfing, to stick your hand up and point out that actually some things aren't quite right, which is what Sophie's done and is continuing to do so. Just take a look at any blur the line comments or Instagram uh, comment section whenever somebody does try and have a grown-up discussion about this kind of thing if you want to see that point proven. As she says during our conversation, women are basically sold one surfing narrative and it does take courage to try and subvert that, particularly if it's your own career on the line, which it was in Sophie's case. As she says, it isn't that women surfers are misrepresented, it's just that they're not represented at all. She's also put her money where her mouth is to back her principles, which is hugely admirable in my eyes. So yeah, it's a great weighty chat, this one, with a thoughtful and values-driven person who's making inspiring choices to try and change the status quo in an industry she cares deeply about. So I hope you enjoy it. And uh, here it is, my chat with Sophie Hellier on the beauty myth. Enjoy. So I'm with Sophie Hellier. Uh, how are you? Good, yeah. Had a nice little day. Yeah, what have you been up to? Uh, woke up this morning and went for a swim in the sea with some of the women who live here. And then went for a nice dog walk, stopped by the farm at Moy Hill. Yeah. Uh, munching on some seaweed. Nice. And, <laughs> and it's your... We're being joined by Conrad, who is, a, who is a legend, Conrad the dog. And it's his third birthday. It's his third birthday today. So he's a hanging out, making noises in the background. Yeah. Well, he's basically going to stare adoringly at you for the whole time by the looks of it. Is that generally his thing? Is that what he does? He's rather loyal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's a, he's a handsome chap, isn't he? He's a pretty special dog. Yeah. How long have you had him? Is it th- he said it's his third birthday? It's his third birthday, so I got him when he was six weeks old, so okay. middle of October. So. Where'd you get him from? Um, he's a rescue dog, so just a farm up the road. But you got him as a puppy, right? Yeah, I got him as a puppy. There was four unwanted puppies, and the animal welfare here in Ireland's really quite bad. It's like over ten thousand dogs a year are put down in the pound. Really? Mm. Wow. It's not like the in England with the no kill policies in the dogs' homes. Here they put the dogs to sleep every Wednesday, and right, it's quite sad. And there's a lot of unwanted dogs. So, did you get him from there, or did you get him from the farm? No, I got him from straight for the who's going to go to the pound. So I rescued him and got his brothers rehomed. Right. We don't know what he is. He's a he's a good-looking mongrel. Yeah, he is, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he doesn't look like a mongrel. He looks like he should be. Uh, yeah, he's a handsome purebred hound chap, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. So we're in your uh, cottage, right? Yeah. On the outskirts of Lahinch in County Clare. So yeah, set set the scene. So how long have you been here? Um, I've been living out here in Ireland for three years exactly. Yeah. Always um, in this little place. No, I've kind of hopped around. Me and Fergal Smith have been doing kind of house swaps. We've lived in right. three or four different houses and we kind of have been playing musical houses. Right, okay. So this is where Ferg and Sally live when they have baby sunshine. Right. And then he's living in the house I moved in when I first came here. Okay. Um, been living in this house for a year now. Right. I mean, it's really lovely, isn't it? What is it like about sort of 4K out of Lahinch? Something yeah, like that, like ten, on the hill. 10 minute drive down into Lahinch. Yeah. 10 minutes from Doolin, 10 minutes from the Cliffs of Moa. Yeah. Um, yeah, really nice rural little quiet, yeah. quiet retreat. Nice little bolt <laughs> hole, nice big fire in the, and you've very hospitably put me up for three days, which has been great. <laughs> it's just been really, really nice to hang out here. Um, 
I still not joined you for the swim though. I think we're going to do that tomorrow, aren't we? I'll get you in tomorrow morning. Yeah, no excuses so. tomorrow. No, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. I've just <laughs> been knackered the last couple of days. I've been sleeping in a bit. But um, so you do that every day? Um, most days, yeah. We have a really nice group and we, most days we get jump in the ocean at half seven in the morning. That's how we start our days. All through the year? All through the year. Yeah. Always in a swimsuit. Always in a swimsuit, never occasionally a, naked. Never, <laughs> never with a wetsuit, though. Never with a wetsuit. So that's all year rules. round. No wetsuit. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty punchy. Because I mean, I had a three-two wetsuit on yesterday and got cold after yeah. surfing for like an hour. So, and do you do proper swims, or is it more about the immersion? No, it's more about the immersion. So the minimum is two. There's all the health benefits are. Um, so immersion in cold water and cold water is classified as less than fourteen degrees. Right. I think it's for a minimum of two minutes regularly. It increases metabolism by 350%, increases dopamine hormones by 250%, right. and decreases cortisol. Who's, so measured, who's measured this? Scientific journals that I sit and read in my spare time. Really? <laughs> I'm going to show note it. I'll, uh, I'll send you the link, yeah. Yeah, well, me and Tom Kay, when we had a chat a few months ago, um, we're talking about the, you know, very anecdotally about the, you know, the, the benefits of, oh, of, of the sea. There's like unbelievable amounts of health benefits to going in cold water yeah so i was chatting to charlotte we went on a dog walk today with my friend and she is she's paying 110 euros at the moment to go in these cryogenic she's got a bad ankle and she has physio and she pays 110 euros and she goes in a freezer for four minutes i said why don't you just jump in the ocean with us every morning wow really <laughs> mental yeah okay so how many people do you do that with is it a bit of a regular group yeah you... we have a kind of a definite core group of there's maybe five or six of us who go most days or at least four times a week probably. Yeah. And then we have a kind of little WhatsApp chat group and there's maybe 15 women in it and some just come once a week or once a month and there's regular guest appearances from friends who live away and come down. But Yeah, yeah like it's really, us tomorrow. Yeah, Me and so our friend you're Aaron. tomorrow and I think yeah. Sophie Bradford's mum's coming tomorrow and right. there's a girl here from America who's coming tomorrow. So Okay. Quite a little... Uh, it's a nice social as well. Yeah, it's really... It is. It, we kind of all go out in the sea in the morning and just have the morning chats. That's yeah. right. We all splash around in the ocean, swimming around, having the chats. So nice. It's not about competitive swimming. You know, we're not swimming 500 metres. We're going in the ocean and catching up with each other. And it's a really nice time. An, an elemental thing as much yeah. as uh, a, a swimming thing. Because obviously yeah, it's, it's... it's not... It's definitely not so much swimming as yeah, immersion. Immersion. And, yeah, it's just a... It is a really special little ritual. I think once people start it, they get quite hooked. Yeah. Well, in Brighton, where I live, there's people that swim in the sea every day and yeah, do the pier, around the pier every day. And yeah. i got to say, I'm not that hardy. I should probably get into it a bit more. I do yeah. a lot of swimming in the summer. but um, It seems like it's kind of a, especially with women, it seems like it's a real kind of phenomenon taking off around the coast at the moment. Yeah. There's a lot of women kind of, I get Instagram messages all the time from girls who are saying like, oh, I, you inspired me to jump in the sea today and right. I was up in Dublin the other day and we swam at 40 foot and as I arrived there was like a little granny getting out with her pink dressing gown and pink speedo cap walking home and an old grandpa with his Zimmer frame and right. just like I think it's really like really is a thing in Ireland the sea swimming. Well I think it's becoming like you know there's the open water swimming society yeah. do you know about that mm -hmm. in the UK? Actually, Kate Rue, who runs that, is someone I'm hoping to speak to on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely a real community, which is a, yeah. as much about inclusion as like, mm -hmm. you know, this idea of like competitively swimming, like yeah. big distances or whatever. You know, it's just more about the, like you're saying, the community of it and yeah. the, the immersion. So do you surf with those guys as well? 
Yes, so not all of the girls, but there's a good few of the girls I surf with regularly swim with us as well. So right. we swam this morning. It was one of my friends, Maurice's birthday. She's a really good surfer. Yeah. She's one of the girls who'd be out there on the, the biggest days and charging okay. with the guys. Right. So is that one of the things you're enjoying about living out here, like this sort of sense of community, the yeah, people that's, that you've met? that's kind of when I first moved here, I didn't know about the surf. I hadn't surfed here, but I came here and met the community up at the farm and the community who surf here and that was kind of why I was hooked and why I moved here right. for the community. Did you move here to, to for the farm then originally, for Moy um, Hill? Not for the farm, but just for, I came here for a couple of weeks on a photo shoot with Finisterre. Right. I came here for a week with Finisterre, ended up staying for an extra week because I had some friends out here. Yeah. And then just loved it so much, loved all the people here. It was the people I moved here for. Right. So. Yeah, it's a real mixture of locals and... Blow-ins. I guess. That's blow, a lot of blow-ins. Blow-ins, is that the term? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, I've only been here three days and everybody's been pretty welcoming. Yeah. You know, it's been... You know, 95% of people will open their doors and... Yeah. It's a really nice vibe. You know, today, vibe. like at um, the green room, Dan, isn't it? It was like mm-hmm. lending me a... You know, he's like, oh, yeah, just borrow a longboard. You know, yeah. like, it's just super welcoming. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, you guys had a fun little surf today, did you? Uh, yeah, we went in on the hinge, like the main beach. It was tiny. It was like you know waist high really mm-hmm. but it was really clean and yeah it was fun it's good. good nice yeah. to be in the ocean yeah definitely definitely so how often are you surfing um this summer has been really bad for surf so i probably went three or four months there this summer where i was only surfing like probably surfed less than 10 times in four months it was just a flat rubbish summer right but uh it's surf season's just kicking in now so we had some pumping waves unfortunately the day before you guys arrived <laughs> oh, my my trip's like the classic like it was great yeah when I, just before i arrived and it's going to be great when i leave but yeah so we had some really good surf this week and hopefully that's the start of it now it's september so there's a swell arriving this weekend next week looks pretty good and hopefully massive. from here on out we'll be surfing most days so where will you surf on when it uh, over the weekend are you allowed to say or is it uh, I surf, there's um, a few point breaks around La Hinch that there's yeah. a few lefts and a few rights and right. I don't travel far for surf. I mostly just surf the spots around here, so I'm never really driving more than 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. And what's the atmosphere like? What will it be like this weekend? Because obviously it's very well known around here for some of the waves. Yeah. Actually, September tends to be really busy here. There's a lot of traveling surfers. We get a lot of Australians and Europeans. So Yeah. And it, it's, you know, it's the first kind of swell we've had for a while, so I'd say it'll be quite busy in the water but i'm lucky enough to work mostly kind of freelance so i can sneak in on wednesday lunch times and thursday mornings and avoid the sunday crowd yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we were in the water with a few french guys yesterday actually and yeah. it was uh i've definitely noticed that there's there's a lot of people from all over the world here really aren't there yeah but that you know the tourists are so friendly like there's all the truck guys who are traveling here to surf are the best kind of travelers so yeah it's always it's mostly always a nice vibe in the water yeah and we've been hanging out um Myself and our friend Owen at uh, Green Room La Hinge. Yeah. So and you were in, so that's like the one of the local surf stores and, and schools, right? So you, yeah. you were so involved the, in that, right? Yeah, I helped the lads set up the so it's uh, Ireland's first kind of environmentally friendly surf school and surf shop. So right, kind of doing a lot of things different to most of surf schools. Like. Okay, so what's the what in in what way? Mm, just uh, so the what? Hang on, I'm trying to think of the mission statement. Our aim is simple, to create a more sustainable surfing industry. So the whole aim of the company is to create a more sustainable surfing industry. Right. So from teaching kids about kind of the pollution and doing a little beach clean after a surf lesson to harvesting rainwater for the showers and 
only stocking kind of Irish organic, um, like handmade products. And the whole shop is made out of reclaimed and recycled materials, kind of, yeah, doing everything just a little bit more consciously. Right. Okay. And are you still involved with that? Um, no, not anymore. So the two boys are running it. I've kind of stepped back from that and I'm working on a couple of different projects. Yeah. So what are you working on right now? Um, I'm working on a little film short at the moment that we're just, we're hoping to put into the Irish Surf Film Festival. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. That's in like February, isn't it? Or it's the spring, isn't it? Yeah, it's in the spring. So we've yeah. just missed the entries for the London Surf Film Festival, hopefully, but maybe for next year's one. Okay. So who are you working on that with? Um, I've got a girlfriend who's a filmmaker coming from Australia who's over for a couple of months. So right. we're just going to work on a couple of little projects together. Nice. But yeah. And you're so you're like kind of writing it and, and yeah I'm, in it. I'm kind of producing it okay which is fun yeah well that's you you've got a background in that right yeah I mean I, I've modeled for 15 years and my degree is event management and marketing and I've produced a few shoots before so right it's kind of a natural transition into the world of producing hopefully yeah and you'll you'll be in it as well yeah yeah I mean it's going to be as much about the girls swimming and free diving and yeah all the board supports it's not about surfing this the community thing that we were yeah, talking about it. earlier it's about the okay right nice yeah well that seems like a very good uh, cue to talk about your background really mm-hmm. and and the career that you that you've had because obviously we met i think it was about three or four years ago wasn't it and we met through works when you were modeling and, and day, yeah. yeah and like a, a a professional surfer really mm-hmm. um but you're from devon originally yeah i'm from north devon yeah westwood ho yeah, so I grew up in Westwood Ho, which is kind of the, I always think it's a bit of the underground town in North Devon. You've got Croyd and Woolacombe that are very picturesque and beautiful and very good surf spots. Yeah. And you've got Westwood Ho that's kind of grotty with amusements and fish and chip shops and pretty bad surf. Is it <laughs> is it like south of Biddeford? Yeah, so I went to school in Biddeford. Okay, Yeah. right. Yeah, I've never been there. Because yeah, you always, you're if you're, you're not some, missing much. <laughs> if you're someone like me who surfs, that comes in to surf down there, you'll always go to Croyd. Yeah, you'll you? always so... But like, yeah, Westwood Ho isn't the type of place you expect a pro surfer to come from right. normally. <laughs> but there are waves there. There are really good waves very close to Westwood Ho. So growing up, you surfed uh, like what, Pottsburgh, Croyd? Yeah, I, I surfed Croyd a lot growing up and then the waves kind of around Bude and just that coastline, kind of the the coastline between, lots of people surf Croyd yeah. and lots of people surf Bude, but there's that huge stretch of coastline in between with some really beautiful spots. So I kind of grew up surfing there. Okay. And um, was it... Like I think I've read that your sister surfed and your dad surfed. Yeah, my dad and my sister surfed. Okay. And my sister won the was a British female surfing champion when she was fifteen. Right. So What's your sister called? Laura Hellier. Okay. So she was very her actual her waters broke today. So I'm going to have a nephew hopefully soon. <laughs> wow. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, but she was you know she was competing against Sarah Whiteley and Sarah Bentley and the, they were the top of the scene when I was and Robin Davies. Yeah. She was kind of competing against them. They were all a couple of years older than her and she came in at 15 and won the British champions. So okay. got sponsored and yeah, so I was kind of following in her footsteps really. Right. And your dad was like, what, like a recreational surfer? Yeah. Like... My dad traveled and surfed and would go to Morocco and Sri Lanka with the lads. And okay. Right. Went to G-Land quite early on. and Right. So you grew up with it? How... Yeah. Definitely. How old were you when you started? Um, so we all, I was always bodyboarding in, in the ocean. Right. But I I think I first asked my dad to actually teach me how to surf when I was about 13, 14. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. So it seems quite late then. Yeah, maybe. quite late because my sister surfed from much younger, but I was, yeah, I don't know. I just was never that. In, I was always having fun bodyboarding. I just remember asking my dad at Pauls one day. Right. 
So what was it that made you make the switch? I don't know. Just wanted to hang out with my dad, I think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, what was it that you liked about it when you when you started sort of getting more into it? Yeah. It's a really hard thing to explain to anyone who doesn't surf. But once you start surfing, you pretty much get hooked, right? It's Yeah. I mean, one of the main regrets I've got is that I started surfing so late. You know, yeah. I started surfing in my early 20s. Like... You know, I, I started surfing at 13 and I was hooked. That was it. I was had a friend who's a year older than me, another girlfriend, and we learned to surf together. And we both were part of the Surf Lifesaving Club in Westwood Ho. So okay. we were used to swimming around in the ocean and swimming in the waves. And then we started missing Surf Lifesaving to go surfing. Right. And it was like we kind of progressed on and learned together. And it was that was what we did. We got the school bus straight from school down to the beach. We went surfing. Right. Spent the whole summer holiday surfing all day, every day. You'd just get out and have a Mars bar and some chips and get back in the sea. And yeah. So that was like from from that point. You yeah, were like, from like that... the age of fourteen, we had lived in our wetsuits and had little poo head tan lines and okay, the matchstick. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. All our mates were just the lads who surfed, and right, that was our lives for the rest of our childhood. Were you quite <laughs> sporty? Did you do other sports or? Yeah, I guess we we're always. Um, I play football, soccer. They say. Yeah, you still play football, right? <laughs> yeah, and I still do, and yeah, I've always kind of played football once or twice a week. Yeah, but and yeah, you know, I'm I like. Most, yeah, I used to long distance run and right. happy to snowboard and skateboard and wakeboard. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You give <laughs> All any, the usuals. Give anything a yeah. go. Um, so, and then you started competing, like, from, yeah. from so when quite I was, an early age, Yeah, right? so when I was 14, I entered the British schools and I won that. And the other girls I was competing against were sponsored. It was like Sunshine Ash, Ruben's sister. And okay. From then, I think a month later, I did the English Nationals and I won that. Right. And then got sponsored by Roxy and from thus, like a year in. Yeah, from a year in, and right. thus began my career. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so I didn't realise it was that quick, really. Yeah, I've been surfing probably a year and started competing, and within you know, by the time I was fifteen, I was sponsored by Roxy. So. Right. And what kind of deal was that then? Was that like a. Just at first, like getting flown. Um, yeah, a few first bits. you just get products, and then you get invited. I got invited on a photo shoot in France. Yeah. And then I was invited on a photo shoot in Fiji. Right. And then you know, a few years later, I was getting paid to travel around the world and model and surf. Okay. Right. Pretty. <laughs> so how was that? Amazing, like amazing experience. I look back and like I knew at the time, but I know now I was so lucky to have seen and experienced the, you know, to be able to have gone to Fiji three times and stayed at these exclusive places like yeah jesus i'll never be able to afford to go back there right <laughs> really really like lucky to have traveled and surfed had an amazing time and met amazing people yeah okay so what highlights can you uh apart from you know obviously the amazing waves that you obviously got to yeah. surf but anything stand out like in those travel years just i think at the start the main thing for me at the start was getting to meet my role models and they're real people and okay so I who was, were they um lisa anderson yeah at the time, it was Veronica Kay and Missy Gibson were the face of kind of female surfing. They were the Roxy poster girls. Yeah. And to like be hanging out and surf with them. And they were, you know, Veronica was like my big sister. Really? That's and nice. And my first trip to Fiji, it was just me and Lisa Anderson surfing. No matter who left. And she was calling me in and pushing me into waves. And wow. It was kind of me and Chris and Moore surfing with Lisa Anderson. And yeah. all these people who had been my role models were now my friends. And yeah. That was, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, amazing, <laughs> amazing opportunity. Yeah. So what, what, what did you like about them? What was it that, that made you respect them? <sighs> Veronica Kay, I mean, any surfer girl nowadays probably wouldn't even know who she was. You know, if you spoke to a 16-year-old girl, they wouldn't have a clue. But 
she was kind of my idol growing up. She's a prof professional free surfer. So she's just this beautiful woman who surfed. And, you know, she wasn't ripping on short boards. She was always cruising on, like, long boards and twin fins and single fins. And yeah. just the whole kind of lifestyle she embraced and the message was, yeah, completely inspiring to me. Right. Okay. And did you enjoy it, that lifestyle? Yeah, I definitely... I did really enjoy it, but I definitely felt uncomfortable a lot. Like, I felt... It was really hard growing up in a girl, like, model in the whole modeling industry and... right. Yeah. <laughs> well, from a young age as well, right? Yeah, seriously, like, yeah. Because if you it's were a much like, bigger picture, but yeah, being like, I really think girls are raised to see each other as competition, right? And often competition for the attention of men or whatever. But girls are raised to see each other competitively and often had this feeling of like inadequ inadequacy or right. I'm not good. Like other girls are proper models. Like I'm not good looking enough to be with them, and they're much better surfers than me, and they're much better looking than me, and right. Definitely a lot of that time was spent feeling like I wasn't good enough. Really? Mm. Wow. So where do you think that comes from, that kind of pressure, just the culture generally? Yeah, I just I think it's there's just this huge unconscious bias in society and, yeah, a lot of kind of cultural beliefs that we don't even know we have. Right. That enforce that, these kind of gender stereotypes that, yeah, that lead you to, to have these kind of That now I'm doubt. 30, I'm kind of looking back and I see it all for the much bigger picture that it is. Right. Did you have any... Um, well, I guess another way of framing the question is like this was something that that you worked out through the experiences that you had then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Over that over that ten year period. Yeah, definitely. Like the yeah, fifteen years of surfing and modelling has led me to yeah be where I am now, and it's definitely very stepped away from right what it what I was doing and what a lot of female surfers are doing. And what can you pinpoint um, anything in particular that that made you begin to sort of view it differently? Um, I don't think it's as clear as like one pinpoint, but there's definitely realizations that there was a lot bigger issues going on. So right. spend, I spent quite a lot of time in the Maldives, um, a few years ago, kind of would do a couple of months every summer and seeing the plastic pollution and the levels of the pollution there, like it, it wasn't fulfilling for me to be on a boat surfing every day, surfing perfect waves in a bikini, taking pictures, like it wasn't fulfilling. There was all these problems I was telling you earlier, they've just re they reintroduced last year the death penalty. And yeah. Children as young as I think seven years old can be trialed. Right. And the pollution in the Maldives is unbelievable. It's the most densely populated place on earth, Male. And the tourism is like four times the population coming and they just can't deal with the rubbish. They haven't been educated how to do it. Right. And seeing like the issues like that, I think the older I got, the more important I realised there's, there's so much more important than what you've asked. It's like in a bikini. Right. So it was just an accumulation of like these yeah, different experiences. Yeah, I just stopped and, caring so much about yeah. what I looked like and started caring more about much more important things. Okay, right. Because um, you've written a really interesting article about, about these topics, haven't you? Um, which I'll, which I'll, in, for Wavelength, which I'll... Yeah, I wrote, yeah, it was in, I think it was two issues ago in Wavelength. Yeah, so I'll link to that. And one of the the stories that you tell in that is um is that you 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 mentioned the first time that you um were conscious of being judged about the way that you look and the fact you're a girl right and, yeah. it, and it was really again it was really young i was struck by that like mm. reading that it was you were saying it was when you were like again like 14 or 14 something. years old and i was told i couldn't join the local surf club because i was a distraction to the boys right and i just who can't i that? still can't comprehend the guy who uh, ran it right who owned it. an adult an adult a, a 50 year old up. man said and I, I still can't comprehend why their distraction was my problem. Like, why is their distraction is surely their responsibility? Yeah. Like, it's 
that's their problem. Why is it being put on me? Why is it my fault that they were distracted? So you're <laughs> so you like the way you look is distracting the man. I was just therefore. a fourteen year old kid who wanted to put my wetsuit and go surfing. Like yeah. I didn't have a clue about you know, I wasn't interested in boys and I just wanted to go surfing. Right. But for some reason I was distracting the boys, that was my problem, I wasn't allowed to join. Right. And um was that so this is something that you as you say, as you got older, you just became more and more conscious of, basically. Mm, yeah. Right. Do you think that's the same for all, all, all women, all girls? I definitely have spoken to a lot of girls in surfing and a lot of girls, like I have a lot of friends who are models as well, and we've kind of chatted about the past and our childhood and our experiences and that, like the surfing culture, and it does seem quite common, yeah, that girls are made to feel quite, I don't know how to explain it. Right. Almost like excluded from the community. Really? A little bit. It's definitely changing now. Right. And the young girls are ripping it up with the lads and they're totally accepted, but I, it's not changing fast enough. <laughs> right. Well, there's been yeah. a couple of high-profile controversies, really, hasn't there? Yeah, there was that really recent one. I, the girl's name was... She sent something to Billabong, didn't she? Karen... Karen Knowlton. Yeah. Sent the thing to Billabong recently. Yeah. About... Uh, their marketing and stuff about women being objectified. And yeah, that one from, kind of kicked off recently, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, from the advertising campaign that yeah. they that they did where it was like the male shot was surfing. S- someone surfing and then yeah. the, the girl's shot was um was was basically somebody in a swimsuit, right? Yeah, but not even having fun in a swimsuit, not even going surfing or having fun or just enjoying herself, just actually sat there like posing with her back arched and Yeah. Yeah. Right. And um then there was the one a few years ago with uh, Steph Gilmore, right? Yeah, that was the... The Roxy. Yeah, the Roxy ad where it was very much, very kind of hypersexualized. Yeah. And it happens, yeah. And, and there was... It like, happens a lot. There was, there was, I think there was a piece by the girl Corey Schumacher, wasn't there, which I linked to where she like heavily, heavily yeah. criticized it. I mean, I guess there's a couple of things that spring to mind when you see situations like that. Firstly, um, it doesn't happen to men, does it, really? Yeah, so that's kind of... I I really liked you know the, um, Caitlin Moran. Yeah. She's like comedian, feminist, writer, author. She always her thing is she says, um, "Are the men doing it?" And yeah. She'd always ask yourself, "Are the men doing it?" And if the men aren't doing it, why should we have to do it? Yeah. So it's kind of that like the men aren't having to do this. So yeah. why are we having to do this? It's getting kind of double standard in the industry. Well, the other thing as well is that if the men do do it, like they don't tend to attract criticism for it. Yeah, exactly. But you. That's something that you have definitely had thrown your way. I have people say to me in the sea every day, like, why are you riding a pink surfboard if you're a feminist? I'm like, I'm sorry, but just because I believe in equal pay doesn't mean I can't ride a pink surfboard. Like, the whole point is freedom of choice and equality, and if I want to ride a pink surfboard, that doesn't mean that I... It's just people that completely, like, don't understand... Sorry, people don't understand the term feminist at all, I don't think. So what what's your, what what is, does it mean to you? Just equal, exactly what I just said about Caitlin Moran saying, like, are the men doing it? It's yeah. just equality, equal opportunities, I should say. I mean, the other thing that you, well, not just you, but that, that tends to happen as well is, like, you get criticised for not being a role model, you know, yeah. as if there's more of an onus on a, on a woman in your position yeah. than a man to, mm-hmm. to be some kind of positive role model for, yeah. for women. Why do you think that is? Because, again, that's just something that men don't really get thrown yeah, at Yeah, don't get... Maybe there just are so many more male role models in surfing for kids to choose from. Yeah. Like, you do have the whole spectrum of pro shortboarders to longboarders to, you know, the Malloy brothers and Rasta and... There's different ways in. There's definitely different ways in, whereas for women, there's probably not such a variety of role models. And I do, I think role models are so important. Yeah. What we see, we can be. If you see something, you can achieve it. 
There was a film premiere recently, a local film here in Ireland. And uh, yeah, there wasn't a single woman in the film riding a wave. Right. There only, I think there's a couple of women in it and they were shown as wives and mothers of the surfers. Right. And my friend had her daughters at the premiere and they came to me after and they kind of said to me, these young little girls, you know, should we be surfing? Should we be doing this? They didn't see anyone for them to try and be like in the film. So they just thought that that wasn't their place and that they shouldn't be surfing. Yeah. And that these are little girls. It's definitely having really, really powerful impacts that, uh, yeah. Well, that's like, it, we. it's like you say, like it, it can seem a really trivial thing, but it is really important. I mean, I was speaking to um, Lucy Adams for one of these podcasts and she was telling this story about growing up as, a, as the only sort of young female skateboarder in mm. Horsham. And there was a, a, a guy that was older than her and he... He was like fairly straight edge, like yeah. didn't really drink, didn't really, you know, smoke weed or anything. And, but he was the most respected guy in that community and he was a really positive role model and he mm -hmm. just gave her the confidence and the strength to say, actually, that's fine. You know, yeah. I don't need to conform to that, mm. that pressure. And that's it. It's like, it's so important to have yeah. role models. When you're, especially when you're at a really formative age, which is why it's all, all the sort of sadder, really, that, that story about you being 14 and some bloke giving you shit yeah. in, in the way that you did really. But I guess the other thing I wanted to ask you about was, I, know, I noticed this, sorry, from the Steph Gilmore controversy because I kind of followed that quite a lot because mm. it, you know, it, was, it was a big industry sort of brouhaha, wasn't it? You know, there was, yeah. there was pieces about it and stuff. And one of the, one of the things that, that, that came up a lot was like, well, what, what's wrong with it? Like what, what's, you know, I, I always sort of think of it as like the spinal tap defense, you know, yeah. like, well, what's wrong with being sexy? Well, yeah, part of feminism is surely embracing female sexuality, right? Yeah, and, kind you, of... you, and you get it from men and women as well, you know, like, well, I, what's the big yeah. deal? Like if there's a girl in a bikini, like women wear bikinis, like... Yeah, and know. I think if the women are doing it for the right reasons, great. I think that's amazing, but it, I do always have to ask, are the women doing it for the right reasons? Right, what would the right reasons be, do you think? I, I'd be easier to say what the wrong reasons are doing, you know? Right. If you're doing it for the attention of men or to be competitive against other women. Yeah. And I think often girls definitely think you're doing it for the right reason, but is that just that society's kind of nurtured us into thinking we're doing it for the right reason? Right. How do you explain, like, why it's important? You know, like, the, the, the Steph Gilmore thing. Why is it a bad thing? You know, like, if you've got somebody saying, like, what's wrong with it? What, what, how would you respond? Like, why is it important? That I just, yeah, it's, it's creating a very, very kind of small manicured box for people to have to fit into. Like, if girls are looking up at role models and they want to be a pro surfer and they have to fit into this very specific box of being, like, slim and good-looking and tanned and blonde and, like, which isn't really real or fair, like... And can, can be really destructive. Can be really destructive. I yeah. said to you earlier, I genuinely don't think I have a single female friend who's not had an eating disorder at some stage in their life. Like, this is really real problems. Yeah, because they feel like they've got to conform to this. Yeah, and I say, I'll ask you genuinely, when was the last time you read a surf magazine and saw a picture of a woman surfing with a wetsuit on? Um, I can't answer that, really. Yeah. Well, certainly not in ads. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, I just, you know, pick up any of the kind of mainstream surf mags, Bar Surf Girl, which is a magazine for girls. Yeah and you don't see pictures of women surfing in wetsuits. It's not, they're completely, it's not that they're misrepresented, they're not represented at all. So what, how, how would you change that? Um, yeah, definitely, but for, for that it's kind of, I think it's, we have to, the men have to kind of understand the issue as well. Right. And the men need to understand how, how uh, damaging the archetype of female surfers can be. Yeah. 
Do you think there's any progress? You know, mostly being made? these magazines are run by men, and the articles are written by men, and the films are made by men, and the photographs, photographers are often men. So it's definitely come asking the guys to give us a bit of a hand here and start including us in. You know, it's amazing wavelength of I've written for wavelength the last couple of issues, and um, I've written a couple of things for Backwash. I think independent media is definitely the way forward as well. One of the things that you were kind of called out on, on in that piece was the contradiction of being a Roxy girl. And... A contradiction of myself. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, like, I guess it's a fair question, you know, yeah. like having been in, having been involved in that industry in that mm-hmm. way, you know, yeah. like in, the, in this piece that I'm thinking about, which I think was in Hook magazine, was saying again that, that, that like, that there was a contradiction in, in you um, having that opinion, if you like, and yeah. but yet still doing these things. So how do you reconcile that? Is that something that you, that you think is valid or yeah well I definitely I mean that was several years ago I did a campaign for Lynx um but in the campaign I mean I was surfing in Dubai yeah in a 40 degree wave pool and at the time I mean I can I can definitely argue both sides of it as well but I don't think I was being an unhealthy role model for females at the time I was I was you know I was surfing and I was fit and healthy and I don't think I was uninspiring girls to offered that job today would I do it is uh would I do the same job today probably not well you've moved away from uh from that that career basically haven't yeah, you yeah definitely yeah and that was sounds like that was probably like a conscious yeah conscious thing. move away from being involved in it right so what um what direction <laughs> are you going in now then what's the because you're still obviously surfing and filming yeah I'm definitely still surfing it's definitely a lot harder to get coverage and people to take photos of you when you're wearing a wetsuit really so you've noticed that (laughs) yeah it's definitely harder to get shots and coverage right but yeah I'm I'm surfing I mean the last couple of years I've been living on the west coast of Ireland and I've traveled to kind of Iceland and Norway and Scotland and been taking different route with my surfing yeah okay and how are you enjoying (laughs) that is it is it nice not to have that pressure that you described earlier oh yeah, I just stopped giving a shit, really. Right. I just, there's far more important things to worry about than what you look like in a bikini, and I just stopped giving a shit, and in a wetsuit, it doesn't matter. You yeah. Just, you just enjoy yourself. Yeah. And did you find that that affected the the relationships that you had with, like, sponsors or...? or yeah, or... definitely. So when I got with Animal, I kind of said to them I wasn't prepared to do... Why I wasn't prepared to fly to start with so I would only travel by land and sea for photo shoots so kind of restricted it to England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales and then uh, I wasn't really prepared to do any bikini photo shoots so we kind of stuck to doing the gold water stuff but it definitely limits my uh, sponsorship what's the word I'm not such a package if I'm not willing to do that stuff you know right which again is is kind of mad isn't it because on the men's side of things that is such a such a thing now isn't it you know cold water surfing like this exploratory Mm -hmm. narrative which is going on you know like of of going to these places and and on on the on that side of it it's like really you know it seems like it's really intrepid adventurous idea that's 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 a hugely growing part of yeah of the the surf industry yeah and there are girls doing it but unless you're buying independent independent media and kind of following blogs and Instagram and stuff then you don't you really don't see it you mentioned independent media and and like people that that are doing this themselves Mm. so who who could you you know who should people look at if you if they listen to this they want to find out more about that hmm I have to I'll have to look at her name and 
tell you, but there's a chick I follow who surfs Iceland. Right. There's a couple of girls I follow on Instagram who are like cold water surfers who are surfing kind of Iceland and Norway and super cool girls. Um, I think Leah Dawson, she's not cold water surfing, but she's definitely like an amazing role, role model, amazing surfer. Yeah. Here in Ireland, we've got Eastkey Britain. Yeah. Who I think you're hopefully going to... I'm going to speak to Eastkey tomorrow, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Eastkey's doing amazing things. Like her whole thing is creating kind of positive cultural change. And yeah. Impressive uh, projects she's got going yeah, on. Yeah. Like serious. Like, there's definitely role models out there for girls. Yeah. You just got to look a bit harder to find them, I think. Yeah. And you're doing uh, much more writing these days. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, really enjoying kind of writing it all makes sense when I put it on paper yeah so. is that something you've always had in your life um no kind of started writing a little bit a couple of years ago here and there and then I've started keeping a journal kind of this year and written a couple of articles and yeah I hope to pursue kind of more writing over the next year yeah you were saying that you find it helps to sort of clarify like articulate the way you feel yeah that's it so when someone asked me about what it, like how you said earlier about it being contradiction for me doing that shoot. If I sit and take the time to write it down, I can kind of work out exactly how I feel about it a lot better. Yeah, I just think it's like really, really nuanced and complicated, isn't it? You know, because mm. it because it ultimately it seems that it's about intention as much as anything. You know, yeah. like you say, it's about it is no big deal if 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 you're a woman and you want to do that because yeah, if because, you're a healthy, beautiful woman yeah. and that's what you want to do great yeah go and do it you're a healthy beautiful strong fit active woman like it's amazing yeah exactly but but it when it becomes problematic is when like you say there's a there's a culture in place that that's the only way you can express yourself if you want yeah. to follow that career or you want to be like in your case like a professional surfer yeah. which is kind of controlled by men i mean that's when it becomes an unhealthy thing and i also really don't want to slag off any of the girls who are doing that because all these girls you know steph gilmore is the most amazing female surfer ever. I'd yeah. never slate her for doing that campaign, you know, like there's a there's a whole TED talk I saw about how um success and likability are negatively correlated for women. Really? So the more successful a woman is, the more people like dislike her. Well Hillary Clinton. Yeah, so like but why aren't we stoked for the girls who are doing really well? Like, yeah. it's like the better they get, the more we hate them. Whereas for men it's positively correlated. So the more successful a man is, the more you like him. So I was saying it's all these unconscious biases we don't even know we have. And you think about it, and it's true. Like, the more successful a woman is and the more powerful she is, you kind of don't really like her that much. Yeah, well, it's, it's I mean, you know, there's a Shakespeare play called The Taming of the Shrew, isn't there? Yeah. You know, which is about exactly this. Yeah. This thing, really. I think like, it's kind of realising these kind of cultural beliefs we have and then hopefully trying to change and overcome them a little bit. And how have people reacted to the piece you've written about your experiences? Does that, has that been generally positive? Or? Um. I pretty much only received positive messages from it from men and women. I had a lot of messages from guys, a lot of messages from girls kind of saying, stoked, we want more of this. And people messaging the magazine saying they want more of it. And yeah. lots of guys saying, like, we totally hear you. Yeah. Did have one uh, surfer, I won't say any names, but kind of do a spoof, kind of uh, childish. I'm trying to explain it without explaining what they did, but someone... Right. Someone did some stupid Instagram pictures and posts back about posing in, posing in his speedos and why does he have to do this and da-da-da-da. Right. There's definitely some some childish retaliation went on. <laughs> right. I wonder why I felt impelled, compelled I reckon to, you could, you could guess who it was, I think. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going on searching on Instagram <laughs> after this. Right. Okay. With your surfing then, what, um, you know, you're surfing... Every day that's good, you know, you're, so what ambitions have you got left with, with your surfing? 
there's a couple of waves around here, well, near here, that um, I kind of tried to surf in previous winters and they were just a little bit too gnarly. So I'd definitely like to push push myself a little bit. Right. Um, Some, I mean, you don't like gnarly waves around here. Yeah, there's, the I mean, there's some waves around here that I'll probably never surf and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I told you I quite like having all my limbs intact. Yeah. I mean, then, even we went to the cliffs, didn't we, earlier? And you guys uh, sort of showed me the whole, you know, it was a really, really moody scene, wasn't it? It was like yeah, really it was misty. grey, misty, cold. And I was a bit like, yeah, I've got no... I'm pretty comfortable with the fact that yeah. I'll never surf down there or never want to surf down there. But there's really. definitely some in-betweeny waves that are kind of halfway between that and the waves I'm surfing that I'd like to push it a little bit and surf if I can. Right. So are you thinking like this winter maybe you'd be, you might be able to do that? Yeah. Actually? And I, uh, yeah, I'm kind of not really riding shortboards as much. I'm kind of mostly riding single fins. So Nice. It makes it all, you know, I was out surfing one of the right-hand point breaks here the other day and it's four foot and barreling and it's a whole new challenging experience taking off on a single fin. It's right. Like, chat like almost like learning again how to do it all but yeah yeah so why have you made that switch just just to have the different experience yeah it's just when I'm watching the girls I like to surf it's you know Stephanie Gilmer and that spirit of Akasha and she's riding a single fin and Leah Dawson and I kind of find watching people on shortboards a bit boring <laughs> well it's definitely going that way in, in surfing generally isn't it yeah you know obviously there's still like well competitive shortboard culture and yeah. you know that's always going to be there and yeah you know. and it really doesn't I think I've did so many years of competing where you very quickly learn it's not the best surfer who wins it's yeah. kind of there's a lot of other elements who, who that go into it so I just had no interest in competing whatsoever yeah I mean it's like we were saying the what you were saying earlier is there's there's a lot of ways in with surfing aren't there yeah you know and you can evolve I mean that's a great thing isn't it how long have you you've been surfing like 15 yeah 15 and I years actually and... I mean at the moment I mostly body surf I have like three hand planes and really yeah so I go through little phases and I try to ride whatever's best for the waves but you know I stand up paddle I body surf single fin longboard twin fin I'm swimming in the sea a lot and yeah. free diving and I'm kind of yeah it's it's not as clear cut as just having one surfboard in the car now. When I travel, I just travel with fins and a hand plane. Yeah, nice. So, mm. and are you still not really flying? Are you still just traveling? Um, when was the last? Yeah, I'm definitely not flying as much. I just kind of made a conscious step when I moved here to reduce my harmful impacts. So, right, been flying a lot less. I went my summer holiday this year. I got the ferry over to. Wales and then the night train up to Scotland and then I hopped on a sailing boat and sailed out down through the Hebrides and back to Ireland. So Amazing. Was, yeah, pretty amazing summer holiday. How was that? Uh, cold and wet and challenging, yeah. but completely addictive. Right. <laughs> Have you done much sailing before? No. I, I've spent a lot of time on boats, but normally in the Maldives and not sailing. So. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good mission to, uh, to yeah. kick off with. Yeah, I did a lot of being sick overboard. Right. <laughs> And how was it? I mean, you must have been quite out of your comfort zone, was that? I was, yeah, I've actually just written an article be, about it that's going to be in, was, did I? Yeah, I wrote an article that's going to be in the next month's wavelength about it. So. I would be pretty out of my comfort zone. I doing was that. completely, yeah, I have no knowledge of the ocean in that sense. So right. what I thought I knew everything about, I suddenly knew nothing about. And in, in what way? Like, like just, the wind is suddenly your friend, but it's a very fickle friend. Yeah. And the waves are suddenly your worst enemy. Right. And okay. Yeah, the it's just opposite, a whole yeah, it's a whole different yeah, yeah, just completely like relearning your relationship of right. the ocean and yeah. Okay, and you got quite sick. We did a uh, one crossing, I think, from the south of the Hebrides to North Donegal. Yeah, 
took us about 20 hours and it was maybe five meters of swell and 25 knot wind and jesus yeah that was pretty that uh does not sound like it a was my fun. you know i'd been fine all the other sails but this was properly out there in the storm and right yeah we were it was a long sail yeah right <laughs> god yeah, but it didn't put me off. I did jump back on the boat last week and sailed down Dublin to down the kind of east coast of Ireland there. So. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. God, that sounds great. I'd love to do something like that. So you've been here three years. Yeah. Yeah. Is it feeling like home then? Um, it definitely feels like home and sense of community. Like I do have really solid friends here and some really nice, nice, like, yeah, everything's good that's going on. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and pursue a bit more kind of freelance work in London and probably be traveling a little bit more than i have been but okay. definitely this feels like home so what kind of <laughs> what kind of work are you going to be doing um well we'll see how making these shorts go this autumn but i'd like to kind of get into a bit of producing work yeah and definitely a bit more writing yeah um so yeah so you you trained you said earlier you trained as a producer and event manager so yeah you, I, I did event management and marketing at university okay yeah. so have you missed that kind of work um or does it just feel like something you'd like to get back into now i've i am recently i I, yeah i miss using my brain a lot to right (laughs) to i like you know i like working i like working with inspiring people people who are kind of getting out there and doing things so yeah definitely would like to be working around kind of creative people and yeah yeah, working on fun projects and right traveling a little bit more i really haven't traveled much the last three years so i'm kind of ready to yeah yeah. Where are you going to go to? I don't know yet. We'll see. Yeah. Gonna Just go got to... a bit of a year. Yeah, I'm going to go to California in November. Nice. I, re- I really want to go to India. Right. Um, to like what, Seoul and Surf? Yeah, there's a there. little kind of surf and yoga retreat down there in India. So I'd like to go and kind of experience that. Um, oh, yeah, because you're, well, we we did some yoga. You're. Uh, yeah, you're... you arrived and I made you do yoga yeah, after being yeah. here for 10 minutes. <laughs> I, I, I didn't need much persuading, let's be honest. But um, so how often have you been, uh, I'm not going to use the word practicing, I hate that word. Um, how, how often have you been doing yoga? Um, I'm doing a, <laughs> Everyone that's I've kind actually... of done yoga on and off for years, like most people, but right. I'm doing a little challenge at the moment, this 31 day challenge where normally I'd do yoga once or twice a week. So yeah. now I'm just doing half an hour every day. Yeah. And it's amazing the, the kind of benefits of... Yeah. Yoga with Adrian. Yoga with Adrian. She doesn't need the publicity she's, from me, that's for sure. Yeah, she's uh, totally mental, but she's great. <laughs> yeah. So how do you find it doing it every day? Is it? Yeah. Um, you kind of, I think most people, you start doing yoga. I certainly did for the kind of physical benefits. Touch and your it toes, definitely, yeah. Yeah, touch your toes, be more st- like stability at surfing. And yeah. definitely progresses onto something much different than caring if you touch your toes or not yeah right so it's as much of a kind of mindfulness thing yeah it definitely calms me down and kind right. of lets me it's more of a meditative thing as well as a physical as a, thing as a physical thing yeah and has it benefited you surfing definitely yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i think it's benefited mine if i stretch if i like stretch or do yoga for half an hour before i surf i guarantee i will surf better right really why do you think yeah. that is just maybe kind of more focused and in tune and ready and yeah just like with my own flow like I'm more conscious of myself and your body moving as a whole and not being one part and yeah yeah right so it enables you to to sort of tap into that a bit more easily yeah and also obviously improves your flexibility and your stability and yeah yeah those those tangible benefits yeah so what what do you um you just use the word flow which is a another fairly kind of um you know growing there's growing work on that, isn't it? If you like, you know, this idea of like try to try to understand what that is and and um, how people can actually 
tap into it a bit more readily. So what, what do you understand by that, by that word? By the word flow? Yeah, you know, you just used it in the context of like, of like yeah, something that you... Yeah, your own flow. What does that mean to you? <sighs> you know, some days I get up and I do it right and the day goes good. So some mornings I get up and I go swimming in the ocean and I go swimming in the pool and I have a sauna and I am ready to take on the day and I'm very in tune with myself and right. kind of, I don't want to sound like a mad out there person but you know I'm very calm and centered and conscious of my physical and mental self and where I'm at and and then other days I decide to have a lion and or I've got a hangover and the yeah. whole day kind of goes wrong and you're not very productive and you don't really get anything done and yeah you're stressed out and blah. so I, I yeah. tried this year one of the things I started doing in the new, in the new year was it was going to be quite hard to articulate this actually, but I'll have something to do, any task really, and I'll find that there's like a gap between me recognising that I need to do it and actually doing it. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense, but what I decided to do was just do it. Okay. Not act dwell on it or, or like... No mental to-do note, just No do mental to-do <laughs> note. As soon as I like perceive that there was something that needed doing, just do it straight yeah, away. Okay. Because I find myself procrastinating or like mm-hmm. thinking about, it can be something as simple as putting the kettle on but I've noticed that I did it like more and I noticed how frequently I did that mm-hmm. and yeah I just decided to try and just stop doing it which was really and, and that really helped me become a lot more productive and a lot yeah. more focused and mentally a lot clearer as well is that what you perceive as flow then as well you kind of like no not at all I just thought it was interesting from from the, what you were saying about doing it right yeah. you know it kind of more fitted in with that I mean flow yeah. for me I'm not like a particularly good athlete mm-hmm. but occasionally like you I play quite a lot of football mm-hmm. and occasionally I'll do something when I'm playing football that I'll just be like where did that come from you know I'm amazing <laughs> I think every dog has his day don't they do you know yeah. what I mean but like and I often just think the difference between people that are like exceptional athletes and and the rest of us are perhaps that ability to 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 kind of call those moments up you yeah know, that's that's my understanding of what flow mm. is basically same if I'm surfing and a wave comes through that's scaring the shit out of me but I just actually get to my feet and and don't really think about it too much yeah. and surf that wave really well and yeah. and then afterwards I'm like what 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 happened like it's it's not it's not a conscious yeah um part of your brain that seems to be yeah because I definitely be have like phases I'll have a couple of weeks where I am surfing like really really well and you just flow you take off and you know where the barrel section is and you you know where you can get your good turn like you just some days or you go I have normally it'll be a couple of weeks and I just really flow and I'm surf really well and then I'll have a couple of months where I am kind of average and not yeah. that great and well that's which for me is how it ten, generally tends to be yeah. but you know what I mean they're like same in football though. sometimes you score an amazing goal yeah. first touch with uh, your left foot and you and you like where did like yeah I say, I've got the ability to do that yeah so. and, and, I, and that's always been my understanding of exceptional athletes or professional athletes mm. those moments are much more accessible to them yeah. than the rest of us there's actually a really interesting book out of the minute about this, this subject I'll, I'll maybe i can't remember i'll put it in the show notes and yeah send it to you when we're mm-hmm. done but it's interesting like i say it's like it's a book about this entire topic and you know how you can tap into it and all that tap stuff into your you know flow. i mean it is a bit wafty in it like all this sort of stuff but i think there's definitely something in it so you've also been doing some really interesting stuff on on instagram you've been documenting some of the local community that you discussed yeah, so earlier I, I, did, and, I did a little thing um it just started off with kind of posting a couple of pictures, but it ended up um, the introducing series. So, um, you know, after realizing that all the women that surf here are getting absolutely zero coverage, and I actually have this platform with, you know, my Instagram's got a few thousand followers and 
I realized I can be the platform. I can be the kind of media outlet as such. So I started posting photos of all the girls who live here surfing on Instagram with a little bio of them and had really good response. And the main difference I noticed was most stuff that happens on social media, people talk about online, but they don't talk about it in real life. But this was real life, like people were coming up to me every day, all day going, oh my God, like I saw this picture of the series you're doing is amazing. We can't ne wait for the next one, da, da, right. da. And like the positive response from like men and women and children from all over was, yeah, I definitely need to do some more of them. Like, right. I was really amazed how like people wanted to see this. They want to see the girls who surf here. And, right. So yeah. it was almost like shining a light on these. Yeah, on it wasn't some... me on the spotlight. I was putting all the other girls here in the spotlight. Yeah. Right. And everyone loved it. So <laughs> So have you got any other ideas for um Yeah, so there's I think I did there's a link that's on my website, so it's sophiehelia.com and then there's a blog post called Introducing. Yeah. So I think there's maybe twenty other girls on it so far and I'm definitely gonna continue it. Yeah. With the rest of the girls who are here. And then yeah, hopefully at some stage I'd like to kind of travel with it a little bit more and carry on the introducing series. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um so you mentioned earlier like role models that you've had in the past. Yeah. So who are your role models now? Ooh. Not necessarily surfers. Yeah, no. okay. So in that case, totally people who aren't surfers. I think Emma Watson, the actress, Hermione Granger. Yeah, yeah. Is she's amazing. Putting herself, putting herself out there. Yeah, totally amazing role model. I think she's amazing. Um, Lena, what's her name? Le Lena Dunham. She's the girl who like produced, she wrote and produced and starred in Girls. Yeah. Along with lots of other stuff. And she's um, written a couple of books as well. Right? Written a couple of books. Yeah. Caitlin Moran. As, yeah. A lot of kind of authors. and. Yeah. And what is it about about the, them that you, that you admire? <laughs> Sounds like positivity. Yeah, definitely positivity. But also just coming from like Caitlin Moran and stuff, coming from very humble backgrounds. You know, she's brought up on a council estate in... Birmingham or Worcester or something she came from kind of nothing and she's she now writes a column for the times yeah and she's very very clear on her message and she kind of very knowledgeable and very well researched and yeah manages to write in a very kind of witty accessible approachable way yeah. yeah so like anyone can read it and kind of get it yeah that's what I was going to say like you know the, as we said earlier you know the the, the really sort of nuances and, and complications of, yeah. of an issue like you know, the objectification of women or like yeah. gender imbalance, like we were talking about earlier. It's, it's really difficult to talk about, but somebody like her has a really clear, articulate, really, yeah. accessible, funny way funny of message. communicating And it. you can't really argue with it. Like no. it's so, yeah, they're, they're definitely so clear on what they're saying. Yeah. And it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. That's... How about surfing? What's left? You know, you've achieved, you've achieved a lot over the, the 15 mm. years that you've been surfing. What, um, what, what ambitions have you got left? So I've really, I've really noticed at the film festivals that there's been no films kind of filmed by women, produced by women, starring women. Um, so I'd like to kind of work on that and helping push other females. So I'm working with a female filmmaker at the moment. Who's that? Um, a girl called Ashley Beer. Okay. And there's a girl here called um, Dervla Glynn, who's also a kind of documentary filmmaker. So I'm kind of trying to work with a few female um, filmmakers to kind of help them enter the world of surf filmmaking and get uh, give them a platform because it's our story too like the girls are are out there surfing and the girls are making films and it'd be yeah it'd be really great to see them kind of equally represented at, in all the outlets uh, this is a question that I ask occasionally on, on this and people always struggle with it but I'd be interested dun, dun. to <laughs> no it's like what are you proudest of oh it's a hard question that um Actually, and it's like nothing to do with surfing. It's much 
more of an emotional thing that probably won't go at the podcast at all, but um, just so Matt Smith, he's kind of a surfer, he lives out at the Moy Hill farm, that is my ex-boyfriend, we broke up, I don't know, a year or two ago, a year and a half ago, two years ago, um, and we have kind of remained best friends, and we're, you were laughing earlier about how we're co-parenting the dog, but I'm kind of really proud that we've managed to maintain that friendship in our relationship and that we're still great friends and that I'm yeah. still involved in the farm and, yeah, kind of how maturely as such we've dealt with that situation and how kind of, yeah, yeah, I'm really happy with that. <laughs> well, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Well, because it, you know, it involves a lot of, uh, you know, shelving pride, doesn't it? Yeah, and just being able to deal with my emotions and still yeah. be involved with the, all the community projects that go on and... And seeing a bigger picture and, yeah. and realising that it's not... You know, it's worth kind of subsuming those initial emotions that you feel yeah. to uh, to kind of gain the bigger goal, really, which, as you say, is your yeah. friendship, isn't it? And Yeah, and all the projects that we work on together, because often we want to kill each other, but we'll be working on a project like the crowdfunder or, you know, all the stuff that's going on at the farm. So yeah. often the project is the bigger picture and we can actually get on and just do something really successful together. So Yeah, and also, you know... Um, co-parent comrade yeah the best behaved dog ever yeah he's done good <laughs> well i think we're i think we're good i mean we're we're an hour in so okay. yeah it's cool are you, how are you feeling about it good good yeah let's uh go for a little drink shall we but yeah thanks for coming on and uh and thanks for thanks for having me it's been great no worries hopefully i didn't say liking you know ten thousand times no that was just me <laughs> all right cheers sophie cheers so there you go that was my chat with sophie hellier uh hope you liked it enjoyed that one had a great time in Lahinch, and much of that was to do with Sophie and Conrad's hospitality, really. So thanks again for that, Sophie. I hope you found Sophie's principal views as inspiring as I did. Like I said at the start, I just think there's a lot to admire in how she's put her money where her mouth is at the height of her career. She could be rinsing it right now, but she's taken a different path, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where it leads her. So yeah, thanks, Sophie. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. So next week, I've got yet another brilliant chat from my island trip, this one with Eski Britain. Eski's a big wave surfer and academic, and as I discovered, basically a fantastic conversationalist. And we had a great time when we met in Galway and took an hour or so to go back over a career. So yeah, it's really worth listening out for that one. She's got some great uh, insights and stories about being a big wave surfer, about introducing surfing to Iran, about growing up in Ireland's I guess, first family of surfing and a lot of um, really interesting views on the relationship we have with nature and, and yeah, much more. So yeah, definitely worth listening to that one. So another news, like I said last time, my live podcast at the Finisterre store, the inaugural live looking sideway podcast, I'm excited to say it's happening in London at the Finisterre store, as I say, on the 12th of October, which is a Thursday. I am speaking to surfers Noah Lane and Sandy Kerr about their lives and careers, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Check the Finisterre Comic Garden store, or my, uh, sorry, check the Finisterre Comic Garden store website or my social media for ticket info. And yeah, I hope to see some of you there for a beer. I'm also making some progress with the merch, and I should say here, I'm very lucky in doing this. I've got the services of my friend. An all-round creative powerhouse, Owen Tozer, to call upon. Now, Owen's the man who did all the Looking Sideways branding. He's, a, he's an incredibly talented designer and general creative dude. Uh, for example, he 
does all Ben Howard's visuals. He's done all, I think he's done all his album covers. He's done videos for Ben. Uh, he's basically in demand. And yet he's currently knocking up some t-shirt and mug designs for me. I know, right? Anyway, please go and check out Owen's work. He's on at Owen Made Up on Instagram, where you'll find links to his website. He took all the beautiful black and white pictures I've been using on the Looking Sideways website and socials to um, promo the Irish episodes. So yeah, thanks Owen. You're a legend, appreciate it. But those t-shirt designs and uh, mug designs better be good, that's all I'm saying. Okay, that's it for this week. Have a good week and I'll see you next time. See you later. Bye-bye.